Hey guys, this is Sean Kanan, and you're watching Pop Culture Addicts. And if you're not watching it, then your karate's a joke. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts. Are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is an actor, an author, an executive producer, a, tele a television episode writer. And as of today, he is now a Pop Culture Addicts alumni. You've seen him on Karate Kid 3 as Mike Barnes. On 750 plus episodes of Bold and Beautiful as Deacon Sharp. And then there's a whole other uh, show that he was that character on. And now he has had the show that he's helped to write and produce and star in and win an Emmy with, and that's, of course, Studio City on Amazon Prime. We are so proud and happy to welcome Sean Kanan to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's very nice of you to take time to talk with me. Yeah, Thank you likewise. For us. We're going to get to all the super cool acting stuff in, in just a few moments. But first and foremost, I want to talk to you about your book. Uh, the way of the Cobra unleash your inner badass because a, I love the title and B, uh, the content of the book fits with me a lot because, uh, up until this year, I just retired the show. I have another show called focused on board where we talk about overcoming challenges and obstacles in people's mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. So there was a lot in that book that kind of resonated with me and what you're trying to accomplish. Now, what I like about the book, it's, it's not a book that seems to want to teach people how to be tough just for the sake of being tough. It's. Uh, trying to help people le learn how to live their best life and appreciate who they are and, and what they are. And I, and I think that's fantastic. So here's the question. I, I asked, told you all that so I could ask you this. What was the point that you said, I need to write a book? What was the inspiration behind it? And secondly, and we can get to this in a, in a moment, how do you convince people that have, have had life beat them down that they do in fact have an inner badass? Mm, okay, lot to unpack there. Absolutely. Um, this is my third book. It's, it's far and away my most personal book. Uh, I wrote this at a time uh, when I was facing a lot of challenges myself. Um, I, I had had some, some pretty significant success in my life. I had had some pretty big failures too. And uh, I found myself in a place where I was looking in the mirror saying, okay, what's, what's my next act here? What, what am I going to do? I mean, I'm, I'm 50 some years old and, uh, uh, I need to, I need to shift gears here. And, uh, so rather than wait for my ship to come in, I decided I was going to build the damn ship. And these are the philosophies and the strategies that I use to make some extremely big changes in my life. Um, and they have paid tremendous dividends. Um, you know, in one year I, I lost 35 pounds. I wrote my second book, which, uh, was uh, Success Factor X, which became an Amazon new release bestseller, co-authored with Joe Lieberman. And um, uh, we also got Studio City finished and on the air, and it was nominated for 19 Emmys. And, you know, I don't say all that to impress people. I say to impress upon you what is possible. When you get clear with what your goals are, when you get clear on what your why is. Um, okay, so what do you tell someone who has gotten the snot kicked out of them by life? Um, first of all, you're not alone. That happens to the best of us. Um, the best advice I can give you is that 
the most difficult opponent that you're ever going to face is yourself. Um, you know, it, it's so important to commit to smashing your own status quo. And by that, I mean, being a better version of yourself today than you were yesterday. Um, you know, life is going to continue to throw curveballs at all of us. And sometimes the occasional fastball at your head. And, and that's, that's just how it is. Um, I can give you a bunch of platitudes and say things like, well, you know, uh, your character is revealed in these times that are difficult and steel is tempered in the fire. And these are all sure. true. These are all true. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're well-worn um, platitudes for a reason because they're true. Um, I guess at the end of the day, you know, everybody is waging a, a private war. Everybody has a battle that they're fighting in that maybe other people don't know. And, you know, life is messy. And like I said, you do get knocked down, but it's in the getting up. It's in the, you know, there's this great quote from Rocky Balboa uh, in, in, I don't know, remember which Rocky, I think it's five. And I'm going to paraphrase, but he's like, look, life is not all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, it's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and get back up. And, and that's what it's about. I mean, I've had my ass kicked many a time uh, in my professional career and in, in, in my life. And, you know, the ability to kind of gather yourself up and, and um, reinvent yourself sometimes and not allow past quote unquote failures to uh, keep you from continuing on the fight. That's what it's about. You know, right, right before, um, I would say last year I had a remarkable year. Um, I know a lot of people were struggling with COVID and everything, but I actually was very fortunate that I had an amazing year. And I started out the year doing back-to-back -back films with Bruce Willis. Um, and uh, from there, you know, uh, studio, uh, studio City, uh, out and, and my book and quite a few other things that I can't talk about right now, but will be coming out later this year. But um, the point is, I was doing like the right thing for a long time. And I, I wasn't really seeing the external tangible rewards that I thought that I deserved. And I just kept doing the right thing. And I kept working. And one day, literally, like in the course of a couple weeks, the skies opened up and it started raining good fortune on me. And, and what I'm trying to tell you by that is that sometimes in life, in my experience, things have to build to a critical mass. Mm -hmm. You know, they really happen on, you know, the, the, the time schedule that we want them to happen to. But my experience has been over the long haul, if you continue to do the right thing, if you continue to act with integrity, if you continue to be a kind and decent person and, and, you know, live your life with passion and work hard, the universe will reward you over the long haul. Excellent. Yeah. One of the things I, I liked in your book, uh, in the, the white belt section where you're kind of introducing yourself as the sensei, and welcoming the, the, the reader to your dojo. Uh, one of the things I love there is that uh, you said that you, you admit it right up front. I don't have the answer. I can't give you a silver bullet, 
but what you what you are offering is a pathway that may help them if they're willing to do the work. And I and that's what I like most about your book. It's not because most self-help books that we see out there, they're they're just like, oh, if you do this, everything's gonna be great, sunshine and rainbows, and everything's fantastic. And and I love that you didn't take that approach. And I think that's probably the most helpful thing that you could have done. Yeah, you know, there were a couple of, first of all, in, in that same section where I talk about not having the answer, you know, I say there's also good news that the answer right. already within you. It's like the Zen koan, the Zen riddle. How did the ship get in the bottle? It was already there. Everything you need to become the individual and live the life that you want already exists within you. You have to learn how to, how to tap into it and discover it. I say this all the time. Before you think that I'm levitating on top of some mountain, you know, <laughs> contemplating my navel, I have made every one of the mistakes that I talk about in the book a dozen times over. Um, so I come from a place of being no different than anyone else. And I also felt it was really important in the book that I didn't come across as being preachy or, you know, having a superior attitude. Now I do come across as a sensei and as such, you know, sometimes I come across in a, a very strong and motivating voice. And other times that voice is hopefully vulnerable and revealing and sharing intimate details about my past struggles and challenges and success. And I realized that if I was going to connect with my reader and achieve a certain level of trust, um, I had to be honest about my life and not put myself in a superior position, but rather as a guy who's gone through some stuff and wants to share it as opposed to being, um, you know, wagging my finger and telling you this is how it is. I, what I what I tell you is this is what my life experience has been. This is what's worked for me. This is what I believe to be true. Take from it what you will. Leave the rest. Excellent. And for those who are listening or watching, we'll have a, a link down below in our show notes. Uh, so you guys can go to Amazon. You can buy it on paperback right now for $30 through Amazon Prime, or you can get it on Kindle for $9.99 right now. So you guys will be able to check that out. If you'd like to get a signed copy of the book, the only way to do that is to get it from uh, wayofthecobra.com. And that will get perfect. You right. We'll make sure to include that down below as well. So looking through your IMDb, which we all know IMDb has the ability to be wrong, but you've been playing Deacon Sharp through um, The Bold and Beautiful and The Young and the Restless for about 900 episodes total. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a lot. So yeah. what is it like playing the same character for that long? Does the, the longevity of the role allow you some more freedom in that character or is it because it's daytime tv and it's kind of that that's just what's written i guess well no i'm, I'm actually you know i'm very blessed with the work situation i have that you know within reason I'm, I'm given a lot of latitude to put my own personal stamp on it and um that's one of the things that's helped me keep it really fresh i mean the challenge is when you're playing a character of an extended period of time is to continue to bring new and fun and interesting ways to tell the truth rather than always going into your sort of tried and true bag of tricks. Um, you know, I've also been really fortunate that over the course of the now 22 years that I've often on played Deacon Sharp, I've done a lot of other stuff. So it, it allows me the ability to go off, do other things. And then when I do come back to the bold and the beautiful, I'm, you know, incredibly passionate and fired up and, you know, you know, ready to see what this next chap chapter of playing Deacon Sharp is going to bring. So uh, I still very much love playing the character. 
22 years of the same character. That's cool. Yeah, pretty crazy. That is one of the nice things about soap operas, though, is that they just they they seem to continue. They do. It makes it easier to have a. I don't want to say that it makes it easier to have a stable job with it, but you know that the the likelihood of even if your character suddenly dies in a car crash, you can come back as their evil twin that nobody knew existed. Yeah, listen, I, I, you know, there's not too many jobs in there's not too many people in Hollywood that have true job security, um, and, and I certainly don't consider myself to be one of them. But it, it's incredibly flattering and honored, honoring, and humbling to have had a situation where I've been able to come back. I can't even count how many times, maybe six times I've come back to the bold and the beautiful. And it, it's just, um, it's amazing. And it's something that I'm incredibly grateful for. All right. So pre-show, I pointed out my, my little wooden doll back over here doing the crane kick, uh, from Daniel Ralph Macchio's character and, uh, the first movie with karate kid. Now I was one of those kids. Uh, this is where I get a little nerdy. Uh, I was one of those kids growing up that went and saw that movie at the movie theater. And that instantly became my finisher move at every superhero backyard fight that we had. Even when my friends said it was unfair, I may have gone the way of the, the Cobra Dojo just a little bit right there at the end. Uh, keeping up with, uh, well, too bad. That's my finisher and you're going to suck it. But no nerds were really hurt in the, in the process. Just some feelings. <laughs> Now, I told you that just because I wanted to. Um, <laughs> you just wanted to feel special. But uh, I, now I understand that before you got involved with the Karate Kid movies that you had trained in various forms of, of uh, boxing, other, various forms of karate, uh, different physical trainings and things like that. So it, the things that you were going to need to do on screen uh, were easier for you than maybe some other actors would have had over the years. Have you kept up with the values and principles of karate in your life? And has that helped you in your career with other acting jobs? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there've been times that I've trained more than others. I'm actually in a period right now where I'm training quite a bit. Uh, and it's, it's really wonderful at 55 years old to be training and find that I'm able to do things I couldn't do when I was 25. I love martial arts. Uh, I love the philosophy behind it. You know, martial arts in many ways permeates into almost everything that I do um, from the sense of discipline to the sense of humility and character and, and empathy for other people and strength and confidence. Um, so it's something that I've, you know, I, I, I hold very sacred and, and close to my heart. Um, and you know, the, the, the fact that I had trained for several years plus before doing the karate kid three, um, absolutely made a considerable difference in not only my getting the role, but in, you know, my, my performance. I just don't think that they could have taken a guy that had no martial arts experience and made him look like a guy that was a national champion. Believe me, they, they had their hands full with me because I mean, I wasn't a black belt. So, right. you know, they had to play into my strengths and avoid my weaknesses or lack of knowledge. Uh, but I just, I, unless you, you know, it was somebody that was just a supremely gifted athlete. Um, it would have been tough. I think. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, you know, there's been other movies where people have in TV shows uh, where they've tried to introduce somebody as a martial arts expert, <clears throat> Iron Fist, <clears throat> Iron Fist, and uh, where it just it did not work out. I hate that show uh, where it just did not work out well. 
and it wasn't a believe it was not believable uh, from the main that character and his inability rather uh, to fight came through loudly on the screen. So it's kind of cool to see guys who who have the ability get those opportunities and and, and know what they're doing. Now I've talked with other people who have had you know that type of training and background uh, you know coming through, and they've said that in, now when they go through other movies and it makes it so that not that they are necessarily a stunt man and and you know but they're able to do some of their own stunts uh, the ones that maybe are a little less dangerous uh, because they have the ability and maybe even more so the flexibility to be able to do that. Have you found that to be the case for you as well? Yeah, I, I try my best to do my own stunts. Um, I, I, I don't always do 100% of them. Um, sometimes it's because of a time constraint. Um, you know, other times uh, it's a safety and an insurance issue. But for instance, we just did a massive fight scene on the Bold and the Beautiful, and it was like nothing you see on daytime. And um, both myself and the other actor, Torsten Kay, did all of our own stunts. There was a significant amount of martial arts in the fight, and it came out so well. You can cool. probably Google it if you want and just put, you know, uh, Deacon Sharp uh, uh, martial arts fight. Uh, on Bold the Beautiful. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, look, as an actor, you want to have as many arrows in your quiver as possible. And it can range from everything from the ability to do accents, to speak a foreign language, to, you know, be able to alter your physical appearance and the way that you move and martial arts, gymnastic, everything. And so, you know, for me, as much as I can, I, I am always trying to acquire some sort of new skill or refine the ones that I have. That yeah, makes sense. I know that we were going to be jumping ahead in your your work timeline a little bit, going from Karate Kid 3 to Studio City on Amazon Prime. You don't just star in it, but you're also the writer, a writer and producer for the show. Right. So how different is it working on a show in any of those capacities as an actor, producer, writer for the digital distribution platform compared to a traditional TV network show? Well, you know, Studio City is... Uh, uh, a short form show. So our episodes last about 50. So, you know, you do not have a lot of time to express the stories that you want to express. And as such, there needs to be like an economy of everything, meaning, um, you know, where, where you have a 60 minute show, uh, you can really sort of open up certain things, open up secondary characters, things like that. We, we really are, are kind of lean and mean, uh, but I like it. We move fast. You know, stuff is sometimes created on the fly. You know, obviously I created the show for myself. And so I, I am about as close to, you know, the, the lead characters could be. So um, I'm able to write dialogue for my own character very quickly. Um, and I just think also as, you know, someone who's a writer and executive producer, and I hate to say star of the show, it sounds kind of self-important, but, you know, one of the lead actors in the show, um, I've got a lot of latitude flexibility that I wouldn't have if I was working on someone else's show, you know, on someone mm -hmm. else's show, I'm an employee on this show, I'm the employer. And so it's really nice to have the latitude to be able to try certain things, create certain stories, create certain dialogues. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty wonderful work environment that way. Understood. Now we've had the opportunity to talk with a couple of other daytime uh, drama performers on our show. No, most notably uh, another uh, daytime Emmy winner, Patrika Darbo. And uh, we had a, an awesome chat with her. Uh, and we talked with her about the importance of winning an Emmy and, and why it's so special because it comes from your peers. Yeah. Now, but in your case, now we've been talking about Studio City. Here's 
you know, here's your show, you, all the things that you've done for it. How does winning an Emmy for that show differ to you? Why is that more important? Well, first of all, Patrika Darb was a dear friend and a phenomenal actress and plays my mother on Studio City. Uh, she plays uh, uh, Violet on Studio City. And I, I've worked with Patrika so many times on different projects. We, we tried to figure it out one time and lost count. I think the first, <laughs> first thing we ever did together was a show called uh, Step by Step with Suzanne Summers and Patrick Duffy. Remember that show? I love that show. We've done movies together. We've done, I mean, just so many things. How does winning an Emmy change things? You know, I think it's a, it's a stamp of um, approval and legitimacy, you know, especially as a producer and a writer, you're always running around trying to get your project made. And it kind of says, it, it, it kind of implies, well, you got your project made and it, you know, achieved a certain level of success and, and, excellence and so it does open some doors and make some other conversations easier you know it's 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 wonderful but it's at the end of the day it's a you know it's a it's a fancy piece of uh hunk of metal and um you know the one thing that miami does for me is that when i look over at it and i sometimes am tempted to cut corners or go down the path of maybe less resistance, meaning sort of a lazier path, it reminds me, hey, you know, you're an Emmy winner and, you know, you need to uphold a certain level of, you know, you keep the bar at a certain level and not allow yourself to take the easy way out, which sometimes would be easier. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. I'll give you, I'll give you, I mean, I'll, I'll share something. I guess it's personal, but I was you know, I was doing my cardio today. I was working out and I was thinking that I had a couple scenes from Bold, not a couple scenes, a couple shows from Bold the Beautiful I'm doing Wednesday. And I was mentally having a little difficulty with how to play it. And it reminded me that if that's the case, then I need to work on it twice as hard, not just sort of wing it and see how it goes. You know, I have an obligation not only to the show, to the character, to the fans, but, you know, as a guy that's an Emmy winner, I mean, it's it's like if I'm, it's kind of like when you're you're a fighter and you, you win a belt, you know, you're only as good as your last fight. And if you're going to be considered a champion and a winner, you have to continue to deliver that level. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I actually, yeah. I like the analogy of, of the, you know, a fighter, you know, and, and keeping, because he, if he, if he slacks back at all, that belt's gone. Yeah. yeah, you know, and, and he's no longer considered the best. He's no longer considered the top of his of his, you know, of his craft, you know. So, yeah, that totally makes sense to me. So I know that we had to do a shorter interview today, which means that we are already at our last question. Really? Which, yeah. Which is a little weird. We'll have to do this again sometime. Definitely. Definitely. But we like to do a silly question because we're kind of silly people. It's just what we do. Much like a WWE performer enters the room with a song. What would be your entrance song and why? You know, I've got some rap songs that I really like, but given the lyrics, I, I and in fear of being, <laughs> I'm not. Bad. Yeah. Well, give me yours. What's yours? Maybe that'll. I would probably enter uh, because it's a song that I cannot resist headbanging to is uh, Sad But True by Metallica. That's so not getting edited out, by the way. I already know that. No, no, it's not. John will keep, John will <laughs> okay, keep that right, I, got, I got one. I don't know if it's my all, it's not my all time, but Rock Box by Run DMC. Ooh. Oh, nice. Nice. 
See, and and just because of the person that I am, I would go with Rick Astley's never gonna give you up so that I could constantly Perfect. rickroll people. Love that. Who doesn't love that? Love My that husband was actually on a stretch of rickrolling one of his friends <laughs> to the point where he, he got to the point where every time he would text his friend an attachment to anything, Aaron would text back with the I was concerned you were trying to rickroll me again. Oh my God, that's really funny. Like, wanted to block him, didn't know if he really wanted to keep talking to him. <laughs> and then, like, John gave it like a week or two and then got him again. Got him again. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. you got a little space where they think they're in, in the safety zone and then yes. you can put those, put those guards down. Yes. Right. And then just smack him with it again. It was fantastic. <laughs> and it was great because he, so my husband and his friend Aaron, and then Aaron's wife, Sonia, and I are friends. And so Sonia texted me the last time John Rick rolled Aaron with the, I don't know what John just did, but he's getting cussed out right now. And I'm like, <laughs> he deserves it. You think Rick Astley ever saw that coming? Uh, oh, no, that he knew that he was going to be the impetus for, for this stuff. For like no, the but, longest I, but I love how lasting, he steers into it now. His yeah. longest lasting practical joke. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he, I mean... I don't think he's going to complain about it. It's pretty great. Whatever irrelevant, I guess. Right. Right. There exactly. you go. Yeah. So Sean, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Yeah. Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about you and what you've got coming? Well, it was my pleasure. You guys, thank you so much. Okay. Let me give you some, some gratuitous plugs. First of all, sure. you can Wade the Cobra on uh, Amazon and Kindle. If you'd like to get a signed copy, please go to wadethecobra.com. You can watch me on CBS television's The Bold and the Beautiful. Check your local listings. Please check out the new season of Studio City. It is coming out any day. Um, it has been uploaded to Amazon Prime. They have a couple days to do their quality control, so it could come out as early as tomorrow. Uh, but please uh, check it out. It's a, a great six new episodes, and if you haven't seen it, uh, please watch the previous 11, one, 11 episodes. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Kanan or Instagram at Sean.Kanan. Awesome. We will Perfect. definitely link your websites for all of them to find you. You guys are the best. I really appreciate it. And I want to wish you both much continued success with the show. Oh, thank you all so right. much. Thank you, Sean. All right. All right, remember kids that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Sean Kanan and great conversations for you to have to listen to and enjoy and maybe even get a chuckle or three. So please subscribe. Little button down there. John's popping it up on the screen. It helps us more than you'll ever really know. And remember kids, pop culture is all around you. It affects everything that we do, every part of our lives. So be sure to come back next week because we're going to have your next pop culture fix waiting right here for you on Pop Culture Addicts. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at PCAPodshow at gmail.com.